From Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. Yeah, here we are, rocking it for the Automotive ADHD Show. My name is Matt West, here to talk to you about cars. Oh yes, this this is a car show. I got I got a fun show uh, in, in the works for you today, and I've been enjoying some thankfully decent weather for at least a little bit. We're supposed to get another really big snowstorm here in Colorado, but miraculously, we, we had one storm, and then it suddenly was 55 degrees and sunny, and it's been that way for a couple days, and then we're supposed to get another one. It's supposed to drop from like 55 down to like 8 degrees in 10 hours. I mean... Go figure, but I've been using this time to get some extra stuff done on the cars, uh, at least before more of that snow sets in. Also, want to thank my newest Patreon subscriber, Robert Nelson. You, sir, are a gentleman and a scholar. I want to thank you for doing that. Now, Robert is going to be getting day early access to the show as well as much, much more to come. If you're interested in that and you'd like to support the show, check it out. Patreon.com slash Throttle Warrior. Now, I got a lot of great stuff to get to. There is a cargo ship containing a bunch of Porsches, a lot of Porsches, and it's currently on fire, drifting through the Atlantic Ocean. No one can stop it. The Porsches, we just have to <laughs> we just have to watch it burn. But there's some interesting stuff going on with that. Also, I'm going to be talking about how the 3G cell network shutdown is going to affect cars and it's going to affect them in a really big way and this affects Cars that are pretty relevant and modern. I mean, with even the past couple years. So this is big stuff. And in the third segment of the show, I'm going to be talking about gasoline octane and why it matters so much or not at all in some cases. I'm going to talk about that. So that's really cool stuff. Now, ladies, gentlemen, Fiat 124 Spiders, let's... Uh, Let's get into Toyota, because Toyota is at it once again with all sorts of weird news. They've been at this for a couple weeks. It's like every week I do a show, I got something really weird from Toyota to tell you about. They're just giving me good stuff for the show. That's what they're doing. Now, they have invented an inflatable steering wheel. <laughs> what? Uh, okay. Um, last week, they had news about the EV manual transmission that they filed a patent for, which is really cool. And if you want to hear my thoughts on it, tune into last week's episode. But now the inflatable steering wheel, another new patent filing. And uh, this, I don't know, this reminds me of the um, inflatable autopilot from the movie Airplane. You, If you've seen it, you, you know what I'm talking about. Surely, surely you can't be serious. Yes, I am. And don't call me Shirley. Anyway, uh, the inflatable steering wheel, it's not actually, it's not maybe not what you think. It's the sides of the steering wheel where you actually grip it can inflate and expand to a pretty marginal degree. Uh, and, um, and the idea behind this, they can inflate and deflate. And the theory is that when you are using lane keep assist, which a lot of modern cars have, they'll usually rumble the steering wheel or do something or give you a beep if you start to drift out of your lane. Well, what this does is it inflates the steering wheel. Now, again, this is a patent filing. It's not in production yet, but Toyota, I mean, they're they're onto the weird stuff lately. They, they might know something we don't. But uh, what it'll do is if you're drifting out of your lane, for instance... The theory is that it can, instead of rumbling the steering wheel or playing a jarring, annoying tone that might not, to a driver, you as the driver, that tone might not say, oh no, I'm drifting out of my lane. You might be like, 
what the hell's that noise and why is it beeping at me? Uh, instead of correcting, you know, the bit, which is, you know, going back into your lane. So this idea is the steering wheel gives you feedback in your hands that as you start to approach the edge of that lane, it'll inflate or deflate the steering wheel and give you kind of a, a physical taptic kind of feedback of where the car is in the lane. Now, this could be used for a lot of other things. This is just kind of the main idea of what it could be used for. And uh, yes, inflatable steering wheels. I can't imagine what it'll cost to replace one of those when it's old and broken, but such is new technology. <laughs> That stuff's expensive, I'm just saying. And uh, w will this take off? I don't know. Mercedes also recently, on the topic of steering wheels, patented a steering wheel air conditioning vent. It comes out of the center of the steering wheel by the logo and blows air on you instead of, you know, from the air vents or something like that. And uh, uh, you know what? The steering wheel, it's there. It's, uh, it's a thing that you touch all the time, and manufacturers are trying to figure out how to innovate with it. Uh, and even a few weeks back... Um, BMW tried to reinvent the steering wheel by turning it into a yoke with hinges and it turns into a floppy noodle yoke. It's really weird. It's even weirder than the Tesla yoke steering wheel. And, uh, yeah, tune in and do, uh, <laughs> my thoughts on that as well. I talked about that, uh, probably about a month ago. Weird stuff that automakers are doing. What else will they come up with? I don't know. I, I got like great ideas, right? Like maybe they should hire me for some ideas. Like think of this, like you could have edible radio controls. That would be cool. You just need a snack. You can turn up your volume, but you could, you could also eat it. Or how about, um, smart foot massagers built into the pedals. I mean, someone at Toyota has got to be into that. You know, doing that kind of stuff. So, you know, who knows? Who knows? The, the, the sky is the limit with this sort of stuff. I want to see what manufacturers are going to do with this. And if any manufacturers would like to um, uh, fund my idea of edible radio controls, then uh, they, they know where to find me right here. So <laughs> anyway, uh, some other big news I want to hit on. This is really uh, tragic. Uh, there's a cargo ship and it is on fire, and it's uh, drifting unmanned right now. Now, the good thing is, I'll preface this with the good thing, the crew escaped successfully without injuries. They're all fine. The whole crew is good. Okay, so now that the people are safe, now we can talk crap about this ship, um, uh, you know, uh, drifting through the sea there. And uh, But uh, the Washington Post reports that the Felicity Ace ship uh, that's the name of the ship. Uh, it's a big cargo ship, and uh, it's currently uh, on fire, drifting through the Atlantic Ocean. The fire is just working from one end of the ship to the other end of the ship, and uh, it's full of thousands of cars, 4,000 to be specific, uh, full of many, many different uh, makes and models, mostly from the Volkswagen Auto Group, so it's got a lot of Volkswagens, Audis, and 189 Bentleys. But what we actually care about on there as car enthusiasts is the 1,100 Porsches brand new that are on that ship and are burning with the ship. Yes, this is tragic. <laughs> I mean, someone ought to be live streaming this, you know, get a, you know, the, the ship just floating around burning. But currently it's, I mean, well, it's, it's deep into the ocean. No one's, no one's going to be able to see it. But it is there and it is on fire and uh, it also contains uh, of all those Porsches by the way it contains one belonging to auto media personality Mr. Matt Farah and uh, you may know him from the smoking tire uh, he's very famous when it comes to um, doing automotive journalism and all sorts of stuff now he tweeted that quote my car is now adrift possibly on fire in the middle of the ocean <laughs> 
that I, I feel for him. I feel for him. Um, his uh, He ordered, by the way, a Porsche 718 Boxster, brand new, and he's really excited to get it, and he's going to modify it and do some fun stuff. And, um, and, and his Porsche is on that boat drifting through the ocean. And, uh, and if you want to see what the ship looks like right now, uh, I do have uh, photos of it posted up on the Automotive ADHD Facebook page. And uh, hopefully, you know, Porsche will set this straight. And Mr. Farah, as well as all the other Porsche customers and everyone with, uh, you know, cars on there will uh, hopefully be the manufacturers will hopefully make that good. Get those people their cars. Because what also sucks, if you ordered a Porsche, uh, the wait times on those Porsches uh, are in the many, many months, if not o- over a year. Uh, Matt Farah said that he is, um, uh, he's been waiting for almost eight months since he ordered that Porsche. And, uh, you know, if Porsche says, well, that's okay, we'll give you another Porsche, but you got to wait another eight months. I think that might rub him the wrong way, as well as all the other people affected by this too. So hopefully they'll uh, the cars are going to be a total loss. Like I was thinking, how cool of like a maybe like a movie idea, an action movie or something. You know, would it be to to have a you know a team of specialists that go out to the ship and save the cars and pluck them off the car and you know put them onto a, a different ship or a, a submarine, something cool, right? Uh, and save the cars. But the reality is. Um, the cars most likely are already cooked to a crisp. There is no saving those cars, and uh, there's no saving that ship either. They're just going to have to let that fire ultimately fizzle out and um, try to make sure that the ship doesn't actually sink and contaminate the ocean. That's that's the uh, biggest concern now is the environmental impact of that. Now, I have a very simple solution to this, by the way, with, um, you know, because interestingly enough, none of my cars have been lost to a uh, cargo ship fire. And uh, in fact, I've had a 110% success rate rate in not having my cars burned with a ship, which is uh, I haven't bought anything new or nice enough that anyone would want to ship it into this country. It's already here. The kind of cars I buy, people like pay me to get rid of them. (laughs) Let me me put it that way. But um, yeah, it works great. Works great. Don't buy anything nice. No one's going to want to ship it. I mean... That's maybe not the advice Matt Farrow would want to hear, but it is what it is. Now, hey, coming up in the uh, next segment of the show, I'm going to be talking about the 3G cell network and why it shutting down is a big problem for cars, as well as in the third half of the show, going to be talking about some other things. Octane, what's it mean? Why does it matter? I'll tell you about it in just a bit. Did you know there's a rare but serious condition affecting one out of every million? Most are born with it, and despite decades of research, doctors struggle to find a cure. The truth is, thousands of people simply don't know what cars are. For those affected, things are grim, but recent developments show promising success. New clinical trials using breakthrough audio technology have shown a 69% improvement in patients with the most severe symptoms. Treatments vary, but one day we may see a cure. More information is available at ThrottleWarrior.com. Holy cow, those car sounds are courtesy of Jamie Hernandez. And and get this, you, you heard that, right? You're probably picturing a car that, that maybe sounds like that. I can tell you, you've got it wrong. That is his Volkswagen Beetle. Yes. Oh, my gosh. He says no one expects that 
out of his beetle. And it's like a like an early 2000s beetle. And uh, so especially no one expects that when he pulls up to a stoplight and does that. Now, he said it has a uh, stage two tune, bunch of mods. He said him and his friends did that just for the fun of it. And oh, boy, that is that is cool. Uh, and uh, I, I had to show that to a couple of my friends and uh, OBD1 Kenobi and uh, <laughs> watch that clip like four times. And just just for you as well. Here's that sound again. Picture this coming from the, the kind of early 2000s, real bubbly and round Volkswagen Beetle. Here we go. Yeah. That's unexpected to say the least. Now, Jamie, you will be entered for a chance to win an automotive ADHD keychain. There we go. Got one right here. I'm I'm waving it in front of the microphone as if you can see it that way. But um, if you do want to see it, it is on the Facebook page. Uh, and in addition to the keychain, uh, there is a chance to win a $25 gift certificate to your favorite auto parts store. And of course, you can get entered for your chance to win by sending a car sound in. Now, I'm going to do that drawing uh, just before uh, next week's show, I'll have the winner to announce on next week's show, and uh, or, or scratch that. Yeah, next week's show, the 26th. There you go. That's uh, when I will um, have that winner drawn, and you will know, and that keychain and gift card will be on the way to you. Good luck. I can't wait to send that out to the next winner. Um, now, before we talk about the 3G shutdown, the new Hummer EV range... Uh, estimates have been announced by the EPA. Yeah, this is interesting. The uh, Hummer EV talked about it a little bit uh, a little while back on the show, and it's um, it's a big car. It's very large, and I was thinking to get any sort of practical range out of it at all, it, it wouldn't be much, right? Well, the EPA now the numbers are officially out, and it's a lot less than you know Chevy said. Oh, maybe uh, you know GM said oh, 400 miles, maybe more than 400, 500. Oh, who knows? Um, 329. Which is pretty good. I mean, with take that with a grain of salt. That's not terrible for a massive truck. Um, and that's uh, 29 miles more than the F-150 Lightning, which that's rated at 300 miles. And that's not because it's more efficient or any of that. No, that's purely because the battery is massive, huge, colossal, ginormous. There's, there's not enough adjectives to describe this. How about, how about this as an adjective? It, the battery weighs more than an entire Mazda Miata. Yeah, that it's just the battery. 2,923 pounds is how much that battery weighs. And the entire truck, if you're wondering, weighs 9,000 pounds, a little over 9,000 actually, which is insane. And, uh, you know, this ties in a little bit to energy density, right? Because in order to get a truck to have that kind of range, um, obviously you can still have a big pickup truck, you know, like a F-350, you know, or a Super Duty or whatever, a big pickup truck. And you're going to get more than 329 miles of range with the amount of gas you have. There's things that go into the amount of gas. But the fact is, in order to go that distance, even in a big truck that burns gasoline, your entire powertrain, the gas tank and the engine... Don't weigh 3,000 pounds, maybe maybe 1,000, maybe 1,500 of that is powertrain, not 3,000 pounds. And uh, that goes to show, though, that in order to get that, that uh, you know, GMC EV going 329 miles, it needs 3,000 pounds of battery. And that's just going to show the fact that current technology battery cells 
battery storage for energy is not as efficient as chemical storage, which would be like gasoline and burning that. Uh, you'd get more effective work out of burning gasoline than you still do with an equivalent amount of batteries. You need a lot more batteries to replicate what we're used to with gasoline cars. That's one of the intrinsic flaws of EVs. That's something that manufacturers are working very hard on to uh, to, to, to bring that down. I mean, that's the biggest thing. You know, as soon as EV batteries reach the same energy density as gasoline and they can be charged within a minute, um, that's going to be a really, and they have to be cheap. That's going to be a compelling argument to uh, getting an EV at the very least for a commuter car. I'm sorry, you still can't replace sports cars with EVs. It's just, just not how it is. But anyway, let's talk some older tech than even EVs, which is... 3G wireless technology. I mean, technically, the first EV came out like 100 years ago. So, I mean, the 3G wireless technology is still newer. Anyway, anyway, uh, 3G wireless technology, uh, I feel like it wasn't even that long ago when we were having conversations and, you know, companies were saying, oh, the big switch to 3G, it's going to be so much faster, 10 times faster than what you're used to. Well, now 3G is going by the wayside. It is being retired, and this upcoming week, cell carriers are going to be shutting down their 3G services, uh, which is huge. That causes uh, tons of issues all throughout the tech world, uh, namely with cell phones, but also smart devices and all sorts of different things that run on that 3G cellular technology, um, and basically anything that's not 4G now, anything that's older than 4G is going to be uh, not supported. Now, this is a car show. Why does this matter? You know, this is not a show about smart refrigerators. It isn't. I'm sorry. If you want, if you're expecting that, you're you're sorely mistaken. But uh, tons of cars are absolutely uh, affected by this, and um, th that goes from you know everything in the cars, from uh, you know uh, traffic data, maps, over-the-air updates, infotainment systems, uh, OnStar, you know, crash reporting, theft tracking, and, and so much more. To, to list, and um, a lot of the manufacturers that are affected, this isn't just some small section of manufacturers. No, no, no. It's um, it's pretty big. Think uh, GM, uh, all of GM, you know, Buick, Cadillac, Chevy, GMC. Also, there's uh, BMW, Mini, Honda, Acura, uh, all of the Stellantis cars, Jeep, Dodge, Chrysler, Alfa Romeo, Maserati, Subaru, uh, Tesla, Toyota. I could keep going, right? Uh, oh, Nissan. Nissan, of course. Basically, every car, every car made in the past 10 years is going to have some sort of, uh, you know, effect from this. Uh, and uh, so, like, for instance, and this isn't even, you know, 3G came out a while ago, right? You know, you think back to, like, the, first, the second or third iPhone that ever came out, and they, uh, you know... Uh, touted that it had 3G, you know, so that does go a little while back, you know, maybe 2010. I don't know the exact date on that, but it's been a while. But a lot of cars, like, for instance, um, Toyota, a ton of 2010 through 2019 models are going to be affected by this, uh, as well as uh, Volkswagen cars. A lot of 2014 and up models are going to be affected by it. Uh, and, and this is, I mean, massive. Now, what are these manufacturers doing about this? Because when the cell carriers shut down these three, three G services, um, these features in these cars are just going to, they're just going to stop working. It's just going to brick them. Now, hopefully none of these features actually involve any driving of the car. This is all for the interior infotainment and information and all that stuff. So in theory, this shouldn't affect any of the usability of the car. It will affect features, but still driving the car, um, ideally is uh it will be unchanged now a lot of manufacturers are offering 
upgrades to cars, like for instance, Stellantis, so that's again Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Fiat, that whole conglomerate, uh, they're offering a $120 device that basically plugs into your OBD, uh, your OBD2 port and um, that uses 4G and that'll keep the Uconnect systems in there uh, available. And uh, But that's <laughs> plugging, that's a Band-Aid is what that is. Plugging that into your OBD2 port, that's a Band-Aid. Because uh, that's the diagnostic port on there. Um, Nissan, yeah, Nissan. Uh, they haven't announced anything. They're they're you're up the creek. If you've got a 2011 through 2018 Nissan with any sort of connectivity package in any shape or form, Nissan, you're just up the creek. They haven't. They've said nothing. They're not even going to give you the option to upgrade it. They're just well, tough luck. You should have bought a newer Nissan, I guess. Which that's kind of hard because Nissan's lineup is. Um, it's it's hard to buy a new Nissan because all their new cars are like 10 years old still, but whatever, whatever. Uh, they do have the new Z coming out, and they do have the uh, new Frontier, so that's good. That is good. Um, Honda, for instance, Honda's going to go kind of the same route as, um, uh, you know, t- uh, Toyota, for instance, and, uh, you know, they're going to offer uh, some uh, upgrades that you can get as well at the dealer. But the problem is basically all of this stuff is going to cost you as the owner money. Uh, there's not many um, vehicles where they're just saying, yeah, yeah, we're just going to upgrade it for you for free. No, not many of them are doing that. Tesla, look at them. You can get an upgrade for some of the earlier Model S's that were built before 2015, and um, it's a $200 upgrade, which in the grand scheme of things, it's not a ton of money, but why should you have to upgrade it? Like, come on. The, the cell care, I don't know. I don't know. To me, this is one of the reasons for, in my opinion, one of the arguments for not having as much of this connected stuff in your car. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, in my opinion, that's an argument for that. Because, you know, guess what? You know, like, for instance, my solution is the same as uh, my solution to not having my car catch on fire on a ship. Just uh, just buy an old piece of crap car. No computers. No nothing. You don't have to worry about over-the-air updates. You don't have to worry about this 3G nonsense or down the road. I mean, imagine what's going to happen, right, with, like, a lot of the even newer cars now that are using 4G technology, and then now 5G's coming out. Imagine in another 5, 6, 10 years when even the 4G stuff is being phased out, and we hear, yep, they're shutting down the 4G network, and uh, all of your cars are going to suck now um, because there's even more tech in the cars now than there was uh, when these cars with 3G technology were new, there's even more integrated technology in the car that's just going to brick. It's going to stop working. So um, I almost, you know, support the idea of you don't need all this connectivity in your car. You know, that's one nice thing about an older car where you've even upgraded it to have uh, Android Auto, for instance, uh, and uh, you put a new head unit in the dash and it's got Android Auto. Well, that pairs with your phone. And you might get a new phone a few years down the road that supports this new network technology. And guess what? The head unit in your car, because it connects to the phone, is still working. And uh, not to mention that in an older car, you can usually just swap out the head unit, too. If you need one that can do 4G, 5G, 6G, 10G, whatever's out next, um, you can just swap that out. But in these new cars with touchscreens that are so integrated into the layout of the dashboard and even the gauge clusters and you know, the, the whole dashboard is a touchscreen at this point. You don't have an old-style radio head unit you can just swap out for a newer model as uh, new stuff comes out. So, you know, there you go. That's my my two cents. If you're, uh, if you're familiar with this show, you know, my solution usually involves 
we'll just buy an old piece of crap car and then you won't have that to deal with. And you'll have all sorts of other problems to deal with, like blown up engines and transmissions and wheel bearings. But you won't have to deal with the 3G problem. <laughs> Is that sound advice? I don't know, but it's what you tune in for. Now, coming up in the next segment of the show, I'm going to be talking about Octane and why you should, or perhaps shouldn't, care about it. That's coming up next. Every day, thousands go without the ability to buy necessary and life-saving parts. Parts like turbos, coilovers, and wheels. I'm Steve Turbocharge BRZ. It doesn't run because I can play with my connecting rod through the hole in my block. Project cars sit unfinished, waiting for parts, collecting dust. My name is Todd, and I bought a rotary. It's okay, bro. We'll uh, swap it. But no more. You, yes you, can make a difference. For as little as $5 per month, you can put an end to Project Cars suffering and support your favorite podcast. Patreon.com slash ThrottleWarrior. Donate now and receive special perks. Sponsored by Autoholics Anonymous and the Speed Council. Yeah, there you go. Colin Schrome sent that car sound in. That is his 1986 Chevy S10 with a small block Chevy V8. I love it. Nothing better than a small pickup truck with a big engine. I think that is very cool. Now, Colin is entered for his chance to win an automotive ADHD keychain as well as a $25 gift certificate to your favorite parts store. Uh, now, if you want to get entered for your chance to win, send me some cool car sounds. It doesn't have to be anything ridiculous or insane. Send me whatever you got. I've had people send me sounds of their engines blowing up. So I... I set the bar pretty low with that, and uh, I will draw that winner before next week's show. I'll be drawing that probably on uh, Friday of this week, so I'll have that ready to go uh, by Saturday. So um, now, you know, I got real philosophical last segment about, you know, 3G and, you know, technology and cars. Well, I'm going to get even more philosophical about gasoline. Yes, one of my favorite things, the magical liquid that makes things burn and makes cars run and makes burnouts happen. It's all good stuff. And uh, I recently ran into a gas station ad and I had to stop and record it. It was so it was for a major gasoline retailer, one you're probably familiar with, and it was so flagrantly wrong about how gasoline works and how octane works and it <laughs> Look, I don't get easily triggered, right? You know, they say, oh, the the uh, when, they, when people talk about the uh, so-called Karens of the world getting triggered by nonsensical things, that's not me. Except when it involves gasoline, because, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hyped up about this. Because uh, I'm just going to have to play you this ad. Now, I'll play the ad here, and uh, I will censor the uh, the company's name for their uh, privacy and, and uh, protection. <laughs> so uh, here you go. Take a, take a listen to this. Uh, it's an excerpt from the ad. Listen to this. Do you want the best for your car? Then fill up with premium at Circle K. Circle K Premium is our best fuel with double the cleaning detergent, protecting your engine from corrosion and damage so it can work at its best. And that, my friend, increases your mileage. For more cha-ching in your pocket. Yeah, okay, there we go. That's that's enough of that. And uh, again, the uh, company's name uh, has been censored to uh, protect uh, their their uh, privacy in this uh, in this matter. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Um, so yeah. Look. Okay. It, it couldn't be more wrong. Okay. And here's why. Because um, the for, firstly, but actually, before I get into that, you know, they are in the business 
of selling fuel. And a lot of other people are also in the business of selling fuel. So I understand that their marketing team was probably tasked with this. Like, how do we sell more premium fuel that costs more? Um, and um, But it, yeah, it couldn't be that statement there that the premium is the best gasoline couldn't be further from the truth. And uh, sure, it might have detergents in it. That's fine. That's not false advertising. But saying that is the best gasoline is is a bit of a reach. And also the very end statement where they say it equals more ka-ching in your pocket. I'm sorry, but have you ever tried to buy premium gas? I mean, I do all the time for reasons which we will get into, but um, it, it's more expensive. There's there's less ka-ching in your pocket, substantially less. So, um, and, okay, so let, let's break this down into octane. So when they talk about premium gasoline, premium is referring to the octane ra- rating. You have regular, mid-grade, and premium. And if you live in a uh, southern state, uh, you might even know it as high test fuel. But regardless, premium, high octane, uh, and uh, high grade fuel are all uh, synonymous. They're, they're all the same. And uh, so what that is, though, is octane. This breaks down to what octane is. And octane is merely a measurement. We won't get into the nitty gritty of actually how octane is measured and what specifically, uh, what variables are measured in it. But basically, and defined by the ever correct Wikipedia, and actually this is correct. This is one instance where Wikipedia has this right. It's a good way to describe it, though, is, quote, an octane rating or octane number is a standard measure of a fuel's ability with to withstand compression in an internal combustion engine without detonating. So, what you have to understand is, uh, and this is this is correct even for Wikipedia. And remember, never cite Wikipedia on your essays, but you can do it on your podcasts. So, <laughs> and radio shows, which is fine, which is fine. But you have to to understand this. Uh, there are two fundamental things, which is compression and detonation. And compression is something that happens in an internal combustion engine, and you don't even need to know the the details of the different uh, you know strokes of that said engine. You just need to know that that piston travels up and down in its bore, and when it gets to the top, the spark plug, so it squeezes all that air, the air and fuel is mixed in, and the piston goes up and squeezes that into a really volatile mixture, uh, which is compressed. When it's compressed, it will uh, combust with greater efficiency and greater force and greater power. That spark plug lights that, that combustion mixture and then sends the piston back down, and that piston ultimately connects to your crankshaft, which turns into rotational energy, which, through your transmission, directly goes to your wheels. It's cool that you're burning something and turning it into rotational force and driving with it. That is honestly, from an engineering standpoint, that's fascinating in my opinion. You know, we come to know that as common stuff these days, but... Still, it's pretty cool when you think about it. Now, what happens with detonation? Detonation is not the same thing as combustion. You have compression, compressing the air and fuel, and then combusting that, and there's a very controlled uh, flame front, uh, an explosion, but explosion is not quite the right term, but that, that flame front that kind of expands and pushes that piston down is very controlled, and it's, it's designed to be that way. Well, what happens is detonation with poor quality fuels can uh, occur. And what it does is if say that piston is already at the bottom, the very, very bottom of its travel, um, and you still have a fuel and air in the cylinder, like if it's, you know, actually uh, taking that air and fuel in and the piston's going down before it goes back up. Well, if it, if that fuel explodes at the wrong point in the cycle of the engine, when the piston is say at the bottom of its travel, well, that force is now causing 
that piston to go down further, then it can go down. There's no more down than the bottom. That is the bottom. And when a uncontrolled explosion happens inside that chamber, not initiated by the spark plug, that fuel in that explosion is pushing the piston down in a way that it is not designed to do. And in the worst case scenario, this can actually break um, connecting rods, break you know even entire crankshafts. It can more or less what it tends to do is it damages the top, the surface of the piston, and also it can damage valves and where the valve seal. Uh, point is detonation, also sometimes called ping or knock, is really bad. You don't want it. It will irreparably damage your engine. You will need a new engine, so you don't want that. Now octane, as per that definition, is a fuel's ability to withstand um, the to withstand compression without detonating, because the, all the heat and stuff in an engine, you know, if a fuel doesn't have a high enough octane rating, as that piston's coming up, just the heat. From the combustion that happened before, and even the heat caused by the actual compressing of the gas, um, that can cause it to spontaneously combust if it's a poor quality or low-octane fuel. So that kind of gives you a little bit of insight into what octane is. Higher octane, the higher the numerical value, so say you have 85, 87, and 91, uh, the higher the numerical value is... Uh, the higher the resistance that fuel has to detonating. And again, in a performance application, you want the highest resistance possible. That's why race cars run, you know, 100 octane, 110 octane fuel that you can't even get at the gas pump. But for your street car, you can still run into detonation, uh, pre-detonation as it's also called, ping knock. Again, those are all interchangeable terms. You can still run into that if you put the wrong fuel in your normal daily driver. Um, and, uh, you know, here's the thing though, that high octane fuel is not what's making more power. One other thing to, to understand with this is you have the compression that occurs that I just explained how that works. Well, there's also the compression ratio, which is basically how far that is, that piston is squeezing that stuff. Is it squeezing it a lot? Is it squeezing it a little bit? And if it's squeezing it a lot, it's going to have a higher numerical value to the compression ratio. Compression ratios are usually defined by, you know, 8.7 to 1, 10 to 1. And that's how much uh, volumetric amount of air is being squeezed down into a smaller quantity of that same thing. Or it's the same quantity, but it's being squeezed into a tighter space, rather. That's a better way to put it. And um, now, the th that said, a higher compression engine is capable of making more power with that greater compression. But the higher you raise the compression ratio, the more the fuel will want to experience detonation. So you need a higher octane rating to prevent the fuel from detonating in a higher compression engine. It's not actually the fuel that gives you more power. That's a misconception that, yeah, you put the, the high test fuel in your car and it gives you more power. No, it does allow you to make more power with an engine designed to make more power. The fuel is just allowing you to run a higher compression ratio. It's not the fuel itself that's making uh, more power necessarily. So here's the thing. Long story short, higher octane is higher resistance to detonation, lower octane, lower resistance to detonation, which is suitable for a lower compression ratio. Now, um, the thing is, higher octane is completely meaningless if you put it in a low compression engine that doesn't require high octane fuel. It, like I said, the fuel itself is not what the, the octane itself rather is not what's causing you to have more power. It's having a higher compression engine and being able to safely run it with that higher octane fuel. Um, so by putting like, say, if your car requires 85 octane fuel and you put 91 in it, it's meaningless. You don't get any benefit from that high octane because the lower octane fuel would resist any 
uh, chance of detonation that could happen in that car anyway. So there's no benefit in doing it. It's basically a waste of money. Now, the question then is, well, how do I know what octane my car needs? Um, and that's pretty easy. You look in your owner's manual. And uh, now when you build an engine yourself, you need to, you know, which I did on $800 stroker Jeep. I changed the compression ratio. I changed the rod ratio. I changed all sorts of really complicated and annoying things. And as a result, I actually have to run premium 91 octane in a Jeep, which is very weird. But also not, not many Jeeps are making like 350 pound feet of torque. Uh, but that said, um, no, I did all that stuff. You don't need to do that. As a casual driver, guess what? The auto manufacturer, they have well-trained engineers who worked hard to calculate that for you, and they put that in the owner's manual, and the manual just say, this car requires 85 octane, 87, or 91. It's easy as that. And here, I'll actually uh, look at my uh, AE86 owner's manual here, and get this, right here on... Gotta, I got I to gotta open it up here. It's kind of crusty. It's like a 40-year-old owner's manual. Uh, right here on page two, check this out. It says, your vehicle must be used only with unleaded fuel, 91 octane or higher. There you go. And that's because the A86 had a higher compression ratio in some cases. And um, now, in my case as well, uh, depending on which engine you have, I don't even have the stock engine in my car. It's not the engine that came with it. So this literally doesn't matter. But if you have a stock car, stock drivetrain, Look in your owner's manual. Easy stuff right there. And um, and then, you know, that's uh, <laughs> one of those cool things. Also, I noticed in the uh, owner's manual here was something else kind of funny on the gasoline page, page two. It also says gasohol or a mixture of unleaded gasoline and 10% ethanol is sometimes available in areas. And please take the following procedures when running this. Well, nowadays, we just call that E10. Like, we don't call that anything fancy uh, but that had just come out when this owner's manual was printed, and they decided to call it a it's a gasoline ethanol mix. Um, you know, they decided to call it gasohol. I just thought that was a interesting note. We should start calling it gasohol. Try calling it that at the gas station, and no one will know what you're talking about. But anyway, so moral of the story, if you put 91 octane in a car that takes 85, essentially nothing will happen uh, except a waste of your money. Conversely, 85 octane in a 91 a uh, car, a car that requires 91 octane, can actually cause irreparable physical damage in some cases. So don't do that. And now you know about octane, and you can annoy your friends with all this newly found knowledge, and know that you won't be overpaying for gas that you really don't need. So there you go. Hey, by the way, I want to thank every single member of the Patreon, and especially the new members, uh, Robert Nelson, Renai Ortega, James, Harry, everybody. And uh, they, by the way, all the Patreons are uh, getting early access to the show, as well as some other cool things and many more things in the future. And I also want to remind you to send your car sounds in to be entered for a chance to win the automotive ADHD keychain. It's very stylish, it's practical, and it makes your keychain look cool. And uh, it also lets your friends know that you have questionable tastes and podcasts but what can i say that's the uh, dual purpose right there send those car sounds in to uh, matt at throttlewarrior.com or facebook.com slash automotive adhd remember to subscribe to this podcast wherever find podcasts and you know this one are downloaded and i will see you same time same place next week when i team up with clint eastwood to find buried treasure <laughs>